Awesome. Isn't it good to declare the greatness of God and declare that God is greater than this world. He's greater than our struggles, our problems. He's greater than the enemy. And we declare the greatness of God. This morning, why don't you grab a seat? We'll get into the message. It's uh, great to be here. Um, I bring greetings from uh, everyone back at Allgate as uh, you guys are filling this place and worshipping this morning. And there's a whole bunch of our church uh, back at Allgate worshipping. And this morning we presented the same information about property and about uh, a new pastoral position because even though they're more relevant for uh, this congregation uh, as one church, uh, we are supportive of you guys. We're in it together. And so it was great to be able to share that and to call the church back at Allgate to be praying for this congregation here. And they, they will be. They'll be praying for you guys, which is great. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Mark. Um, I'm uh, uh, privileged to be um, senior pastor here of Hills Baptist. Just a little bit of uh, editing. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, I spend most of my time uh, uh, across at Allgate, but this year one of the, uh, the blessings, I think, of things I'm excited about is to be able to spend a bit more time here and preach here a bit more regularly. Uh, but for those who don't know me, for those of you who are new, uh, what can I say about myself? I'm married to Mel. I've got three kids. Two of them are now in youth group, uh, which seems unbelievable to you, I know, because you couldn't imagine someone so young could have two <laughs> kids in youth group. Um, I talk too much about football and golf, um, but apart from that, my greatest joy is to uh, follow Jesus and to help people to grow in that. And uh, this morning I'm here as part of our series, Get On Board, building a discipleship culture uh, in our church and bringing uh, uh, the second message in that series. Last week, Dave led off talking about our vision, which as a church is to see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed. And hopefully you've heard that enough times now that that starts to sink in. But under that sits our mission and our mission as a church, mission is how you reach a vision and our mission is essentially around discipleship to grow and equip passionate disciples of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, or over the next few weeks, we're talking about some pretty basic questions, the who, why, what, and, uh, and how of making disciples. But this morning, I get to start with perhaps the core question before we talk, talk about how we make disciples and why we make disciples. And the question is essentially, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? It is possible um, to have the same, uh, to be speaking the same word, but to be having two different understandings of meaning, right? Um, and we throw around this word discipleship, disciple, uh, discipling, disciple making. We throw this around a lot in the church as part of our lingo, as part of the conversation. We all think we know, but sometimes you can be using the same word, but having different understandings, right? Here's an example of that. When I was uh, um, uh, just a young lad, I went back, backpacking through Europe and I, um, oh, you've got to go back, you've got to hide that one if you can, sorry, that's, that's a giveaway. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I landed in London, we're staying with an old friend and we're going to go into London, it was March, it was pretty cold, we we're going to head from uh, his, he was just lived out of London, we we're going to catch the train in and, and I said to him just before we left, we we're just about to walk out there, I said, oh look, I just need to go back to my room and grab my skivvy, because it's pretty cold out there, and I need my skivvy to keep me warm. He said, what, what are you talking about? Skivvy, what, what? 
I said, I've just got to get a skivvy. A skivvy will help my skivvy. will keep me warm. And uh, this is where I discovered there was two different understandings as the slides some of you started to read. Uh, Australian down the bottom, a lightweight... So I thought I said to him, I'm just going to go and grab my lightweight, high-necked, long-sleeved garment to keep me warm. He heard... I'm just going to go and grab a female, my female domestic servant who, de- who performs menial tasks to keep me warm. <laughs> Same word, different meaning. Uh, anyway, luckily I didn't tell him what I like to wear in summer in Australia when I go to the beach. That's another... <laughs> we won't go there. Um, so this morning we're, we're going to explore this question. What is... A disciple. I better pray before we get into it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that uh, your scripture is a lamp unto to our feet and a light unto our path. A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we know, Lord, that unless you show us the way, unless you illuminate the path, we so easily go off track. So I pray this morning that you would show us the way that you would speak through your living word by the power of your spirit and to grow us not just in our knowledge but in changing our hearts to your likeness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, so words mean different things. I could talk about worship and some people think, well, worship is what we just did. Or in the old days, people used to think praise and worship. So the praise was the upbeat songs and worship meant the kind of power ballad worship song. Uh, worship, of course, means a whole of life giving glory to God in everything you do. Um, discipleship, what is a disciple? So I'm going to just go through, uh, so we're running a bit late this morning, but I'm just going to go through three words that I think capture what discipleship is. Three words. The first word is the word that probably came to your mind first when you thought about discipleship. The first word is follower. Oh, I got them the wrong way around. My mistake, not the person on data. Whoops, Follower. If we go to the next slide, there it is, Um, a follower. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Amazing story. So simple, so brief, but what those guys did is absolutely remarkable. Uh, earlier this or last year, um, my family and I had the, the, the privilege of taking our kids overseas for the first time, and we went to Vietnam. And one of the things we did is we went up into the mountains of an uh, area called Sapa, and we went trekking for a few days. And um, uh, we were uh, with our guide. We had a guide who we'd organised, and uh, here's um, there's a picture of our guide. She was making me feel extremely tall at that point. <laughs> Uh, this is our guide, Land. She was amazing. She wore blue, bright blue gumboots for three days trekking. And uh, she, her pace was amazing. She just kept this steady pace the entire time. But when we followed Land, 
uh, as we began to follow her, she would just say, she'd get to a crossroad, okay, we're turning here, and then she'd get to a little path, and oh, we're going down this path, and we just got across this bridge, and we'll go through this village. And I began to learn that Lan had grown up in the area of Sapa uh, from birth. She'd spent her entire life in this area. And I, I discovered pretty quickly that she knew every road, every path, every bridge, every village, every shortcut in that region. And so as we followed her, I, I began to relax very quickly. I'm someone who likes to get Google Maps out. I like to have, know where I'm going. I like to think about direction. I like to, lo- whenever I land somewhere on a plane, I have to locate north. Is anyone like that? Um, just me, thank you. <laughs> But I discovered very quickly, I didn't need to worry about anything. Land knew the way. I didn't need to worry. I didn't need to stress. I didn't need to think about, are we going to end up in a village that has a restaurant that has lunch? Are we going to get lost? Nothing. All I needed to do was let Land lead the way. Next photo. Let Land lead the way with her umbrella up and I would follow and she would take us exactly where we need to go. Something remarkable about this, uh, this passage in Matthew, it's funny how you notice things in Scripture. You can read something a hundred times and then something stands out to you. One of them was, I always knew that Jesus called these people who were repairing their nets, the first disciples, but actually the very first disciples he called, they were literally casting a net into the water. They're actually in the action of throwing it into the water. They've thrown it in and then Jesus says, come and follow me. They literally just leave their net there and off they go. Their their trust in Jesus is absolutely remarkable. And then you think about all that they got to experience with Jesus in his time on earth, what they got to witness, the miracles they saw, the teaching that they heard. And then they were there at Pentecost as God's spirit was poured out. And then they were the ones who founded the early church as the spirit moved through them to grow the church. And it just reminds me this this simple thing about how they're called and they leave and they go. That being a disciple is so much more than believing the right things. It is about following the right path or better still following the right person. It is not just believing the right thing. Christianity is not about an academic exercise. It is not about ticking boxes. It is good to believe the right things, right? I went to three years of Bible college over five and a half years because I was also a part-time pastor so that I could learn the right things. But even in that learning, there was the desire that it would change my heart so that I followed the right path. I could know all the right things. People can know all the right things. But if you are not, following then the truth is you're actually following someone else or something else it's interesting those of you who are on Instagram I'm technically on Instagram I've never actually figured it out yet Um, what do you do when you agree to uh, what do you (laughs) you choose to follow someone that's the language it's interesting language that you actually choose to follow someone it's a decision I will follow this person And often people that that are followed are celebrities, influential people. Uh, Some of them are not celebrities, they're they're social media influencers, another interesting language. So following an influence is all about these people are going to, you're choosing to allow them to exert some influence over you. You don't really think about it in that way, but in a sense that's what you're doing. 
And that's not a problem. It's not, I'm not saying Instagram is bad. Don't, don't uh, be on Instagram. That's not a problem. Social media is okay in its right way. But the question is, who is, the, who is the one? Who is the number one? Who in the morning do you wake up? Because, of course, the, the first thing you can do when you wake up in the morning is flip on social media, Instagram, check your followers. But who is the one you wake up in the morning say, it almost takes a conscious decision, I think, this day and age, to say, this morning I choose to wake up and I choose to follow Jesus. I might have chosen that 25 years ago in a camp uh, in Normanville that I was on. But every morning I've got to wake up fresh and say, I'm going to follow Jesus this morning. I'm not just going to say that I've got the right beliefs and rest in that. I'm not going to just say, well, I've kind of made some progress or whatever. I'm going to say, this morning I choose to follow Jesus. Jesus, uh, the first thing a disciple is, is someone who chooses to follow. So let Jesus be your guide. That's the first point this morning. The next thing that... um, uh, a disciple of Jesus is. The second word is a learner. A learner. Let's have a look at uh, Luke um, chapter 6, verse 40. Hopefully, this verse is up there. Here it is. A student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. The other key passage I want to highlight is, is um, this one from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, I love that one. Uh, Come to me and learn from me. Um, When I was was 16 years of age... um, I, uh, there was something sitting in my garage that looked a whole lot like this next slide. A 1981 Mazda 323 sedan. Mine was in silver. It looked really good in silver. Uh, I don't know what you think when you see that car. But when I saw that car in my carport at home and I was 16 years of age, do you know what I saw? Freedom. I saw freedom. My, you know, at that time it was, mum or dad, please take me here or get on the bike and go somewhere. But I knew that once I had my license and I could get in that car and drive somewhere, then that opened up a whole new world. I could go further than I could on my bicycle. And not only that, this machine had room for other people. You know what that meant? That meant mates and that meant a girl. Hopefully, one day in, down the track. Um, and so, uh, so I was pretty excited about this car. This car didn't have a lot of technology. You know, today there's lane assist, there is uh, uh, Bluetooth connectivity. This car that I had didn't even have FM radio, right? I used, to, I used to dream of FM radio in a car. That would have been an advancement. But, um, but I was excited. I was, uh, it had been my mum's car. It had then gone to my eldest sister, then my middle sister, and I knew that that in time it would become my car. But there was something that needed to happen before I could, I could have the freedom of this car. And uh, what was that? I had to get my license and learn to drive. The license part was easy. Sat the test, passed it. Okay, I did fail one of the compulsories, but the policeman was kind enough just to say, no worries, mate, it's all good. And it got through. It's been a blessing of being in a small town. Um, 
Actually, true story, there was two cars, either A or B, and I'd said B on one of my compulsories. He said, it's not B, have a think about it, and I'll come back and let you know. <laughs> and he waited 10 minutes. <laughs> and he came and asked the question, I got it right, it's so good. Uh, but then I needed to learn to drive. I remember the first drive I ever went on. We're in a small town, so not a lot of traffic, but we drove it a little way till there was a nice straight stretch, and I got in the driver's seat. And I, I drove, I'm driving along, and we went to take the first corner I've ever taken driving a car. And like, I've only ever driven like, you know, Mario Kart or something up to this point. So I've gone to turn, but this car didn't have power steering, and I didn't know you had to really. So I've just gone like this. And it has done this really slow arc. And, and it's looking like we're going to end up on the wrong side of the road completely. But in fact, the arc was so gentle that we began to go onto the footpath on the other side. I've mounted the footpath. At this time, a car comes the other way. And as the car stopped at the intersection, it's looked to its left and seen me just parked. <laughs> That's true, true story. Um, and anyway, and then I still, after that, I, I knew you had to turn the wheel more, but still so much I needed to learn how to change gears fluently, how to start from, from uh, being not moving and without doing bunny hops, uh, how to do a hill start without leaving black rubber on the, uh, on the driveway or on, on the hill, uh, how to look out of the mirrors properly and do all of that stuff. Um, I had to learn. I was a learner. I put up my L plates and I accepted that I needed to learn. The question is, as disciples of Jesus, do I need to go to a handheld? No. Sorry. I'll just play around with this. Right, I might grab my mic. Yep, I'll grab this one. Okay, does that work? Yeah. So I knew that I was a learner. The question is... Uh, do we, do we take the attitude of learners as Christian, like ongoing learners? I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but you take the attitude, I'm still a learner. I'm still here to learn. Um, the, the Greek word uh, for learning that, that, um, is methetes, which means a learner or a student or someone apprenticed to a teacher to learn from them. So the idea is about apprenticeship. Has anyone here done an apprenticeship? I'm sure there's people in this room who have done an apprenticeship. When you started your apprenticeship, Joel, how much did you, did you know? Absolutely nothing. So you come in on that first day and you don't know the tools, you don't know where anything is, you feel like you're uh, you know, fish out of water and you slowly start to learn. And as you learn over time, bit by bit, more and more is entrusted to you to the point where you become someone who others can trust to do the task. People will actually come to you and say, can you do this? And they'll believe that you, they'll know that you can. And not only that, that when an apprentice reaches a point of knowledge, um, they'll actually be able to apprentice someone else because they've attained that knowledge. But that's a process. That takes an attitude. If the apprentice walks in, I imagine for someone who's, who's got an apprentice, the worst kind of apprentice will be an apprentice who walks in and thinks they know it all already. They think that they've got it all figured out and they don't want to learn. Being a learner, being a disciple is about being an apprentice of Jesus. Being an apprentice of Jesus. Um, 
it's about getting skills for every part of life. And, uh, and this is not just like church skills. This is about skills for marriage or singleness or parenting or grandparenting or sickness and how you deal with that or health and how you deal with that. About leisure and the choices you make. About friendship and how you go about that. About how you deal with all the emotions of life. With worry and stress and fear. And how you deal with grief when it comes your way. And how you deal with money and finance. And how you deal with failure. And how you deal with success. And God's desire is to speak into that. And he says, come to me and learn from me. It's a remarkable passage. The, uh, if we just go to that one there, Matthew 11. You come to me. It's this invitation. Come and learn from me. It's almost as though Jesus, when he speaks that, knows that there's something in the human heart that wants to say, I don't need to learn. And so the invitation is, come, I'm willing to teach you. And by the Holy Spirit, and through the Word, and through prayer, and through community, we continue to learn. Because the problem is, uh, you know, with, with driving, you know, I reached the point pretty quickly where instead of having the L plates on and thinking I'm, I'm a learner, I had the, um, the L plates off and, and the P plates on and it was kind of like, you know, jump in the car, strap yourself in. I know how to drive this thing now. Um, but actually, as a, as a disciple of Jesus, I'm still learning, right? I've been a Christian for 25 years. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I catch up regularly with a mentor. I catch up with uh, going to conferences. I'm continually reading the Word. I'm continually reading books because I want to keep learning because a disciple is a learner, that idea of a lifelong learner. We need to do the same with our faith. I encourage you this year to, in this, you have things to learn this year. You have things that God wants to teach you. God wants to change your thinking. He wants to change your heart. He wants to grow. He wants to teach you things. He doesn't want you to get to the end of 2020 and have your sort of mind and heart so closed that the whole way through you thought, I'm established in my faith now. I'm pretty well there. I've got nothing to learn. He wants to teach you things and he will. The challenge is often he's going to teach you things through difficulty, hardship and trial. It's often they're the times when we learn the most. So when those times come, although they're difficult and we don't want to experience them, may I remind you, hopefully you can think back to this moment, this message and remember, hey, this is actually about learning. I can learn through this time. All right, the last one is this. I'll do this one really quickly. This is a strange one you wouldn't have thought of. Uh, a, a disciple is a branch. A disciple is a branch and here's why. Jesus said, I am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words uh, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." So about a week or so ago, there was a pretty strong wind and storm that came through the hills and on the, in the morning I looked out and a large branch had fallen onto the lawn uh, outside my property. And uh, this was taken on Friday as I prepared my sermon. This branch, uh, a week and a half prior, had been green and healthy. It continued to be outside and have the sun uh, uh, beating down on it. It, had, it was, it was on, the, on, the, on the ground where it should have been drawing up moisture and nutrients, but this was... 
a branch that was dying because it had been broken off from the trunk. Jesus uses this simple example to say that there's something deeper about being a disciple than just just kind of seeing yourself as distant from Jesus, even as seeing him as the teacher you want to follow and, uh, and the learner that you want to learn from. There's something even more intimate for us as Christians in that Jesus has done something in reconciling us to himself where he's brought us into a, a unity and, and a bond, a deeply spiritual thing that is incredibly hard to capture but is incredibly wonderful and powerful. We sing the song, How Great the Chasm That Lay Between Us. But Jesus has bridged that gap and reconciled us. He says later in John, he says, praying for us as disciples, he says, I pray for those who will believe in me through the message of the apostles, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Colossians 1 says, speaks of Christ in us. And 2 Corinthians speaks of if anyone is in Christ. So it's not as though Jesus is a distant teacher who we look to and seek to follow. There's something more powerful than that in that he dwells in us spiritually and we dwell in him. And the desire is that we live out of this relationship where everything we need, the nutrients, the health comes from our connectedness to Christ. So we've got to be a branch. So there's three words. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower, a learner, and a branch. Let me finish uh, with this challenge. Someone once put it this way. Discipleship is not part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Discipleship is not part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. It's not an activity. It's not a course. It's not an event. It's not a service, it's not a meeting, it is all of life. And I just got to ask the question, this year, uh, before we talk about making disciples and that calling to be a disciple-making culture, are you yourself taking on the attitude and humbling yourself and choosing to set your eyes on Jesus and saying, Jesus, this year I want to follow you. This year I want to learn from you and this year I want to be deeply, intimately joined with you because my heart is to see a church where the one person that we follow above all others is Jesus, where the one person we learn from above all others is Jesus and the one person we are most closely, deeply relating to is Jesus because He is the only one worthy of our worship, worthy of our attention and worthy of our devotion. So let me finish by calling us to a, to a higher standard, to call us to be a people who rise out of the status quo, to rise above the ordinary, to step out of stagnation. If that's where you find your faith, if your faith is defined by stagnation, then actually there's something that you can do as a step of faith and trust to step out of that. There's things you can do. There's a part you can play. Sometimes it's about letting go of fears. Sometimes it's about putting aside cynicism or apathy and just taking hold afresh of your faith in Jesus. Jesus has a big calling. He called those early disciples, come and follow me. They left their nets and they took a step, a literal step to follow Jesus. They followed Jesus away from uh, 
from the Sea of Galilee, away from their life to wherever Jesus was going. What a phenomenal thing they did. And Jesus probably isn't calling us to get up and leave our house, and leave those kind of things, but He is calling us to follow Him. So may you embrace the calling that He has placed on your life. Come and follow me. Be my disciple. And I will help you. I will change you. I will grow you. I will shape you as I live in you and dwell in you. A disciple-making culture starts with a church filled with people who know what a disciple is and are choosing that path. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is a, a privilege. It is a blessing. It is a gift that you call us. There's not really much about us that really is worthy of having the King of Kings come and say, come follow me. But you choose each of us. You want to choose each of us. You want to call each of us this morning afresh. Come and follow me. For every one of us, that'll look different in 2020. But it looks like something. It looks like steps, one step at a time, trusting in Jesus. We don't know the path. We don't know exactly what it looks like. It's not going to always be easy but it is the greatest path that we can ever walk to follow the Saviour, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, wherever He would lead us. May we follow you, Jesus, in your footsteps. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.